Hello to the listeners. Welcome back to our community podcast. This is Evans Mosomi. I will be your host for today. And with me in studio, we have our guest, Mr. Nathan Gardner. I hope I said it right. And he's from Bakdo Mission in Oshawa. And we're talking about all the good work that they're doing there to create community all across in Durham region. So welcome, Nathan, to our podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Excited. Excited uh, to be here. Good to hear that. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do at Bakdo Mission and what Bakdo Mission is in the first place. Right. Uh, so again, Nathan Gardner. I'm uh, a Durham resident. Actually, I live in Beaverton. Um, mm-hmm. Born in Oshawa, but live in Beaverton. Um, and I'm the executive director of the Backdoor Mission. Um, Backdoor Mission actually existed as, as m- many people probably are aware, missions exist all throughout North America and the world. Um, so we were very much similar to that in the late 90s. Uh, started as just a, a relief effort, giving out coffee and, and food to patrons and individuals uh, who are experiencing poverty in Oshawa uh, only a couple times a week. It was actually collaborative between a number of different churches um, in, nice. yeah, in, in the Oshawa community who would volunteer on different days, just, just providing soup, sandwiches, coffee, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about mid 2010s, I think it's the way you say it, 2010s, 20 aughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it transformed into a little bit more as, uh, as they, they hired employees, became an uh, incorporated nonprofit, uh, did not move, was still incorporated with the, the Simcoe Street United Church, mm-hmm. but had a little bit more of an entity towards uh, helping out the, the system, the homelessness system in Durham region, mm-hmm. uh, contributing to housing supports and doing a little bit more in that area. Well, mm-hmm. if you fast forward to uh, 2020, when COVID hit, um, sure. very, very interestingly enough, in Durham region, um, it was funny because I was on the the original committee that thought of this. We, the, the first plan was when COVID came, oh my goodness, what about people who are living on the street? Um, mm-hmm. Everything's shut down. Everything's completely closed. Yeah. There's for them to clean, <laughs> go to the washroom, and they are pretty much the most at-risk population uh, for yes. apparent thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. So um, at, the, at the very first, we need to identify places to put washrooms. They call them hygiene stations. Uh, mm-hmm. Just Places people could be safe and, uh, and and get the basic necessities for life. Back to our Simcoe Street United Church and back to our mission was identified as one. It started out as just that and then um, morphed into what's known now more as a, a community service hub. Uh, and actually, as it's monikered today, known as Mission United. Uh, so it began with clinical services, CMHA Durham uh, and the Oshawa Inner City Health Clinic came on to provide clinical services. Other groups like John Howard, Ontario Works, they provide mm-hmm. ancillary services for individual harm reduction for uh, for addictions, um, housing supports, you know, you name it, if it's social service, it was required. So mm-hmm. um, today we now have over, uh, we have nine partners that provide uh, services nice. for Mission United. We have mm-hmm. our own staff, 11 staff, who provide meals mm-hmm. every day to 240 individuals. Wow. Um, washrooms are still here, coffee's mm-hmm. still there. Nice. Um, but we are a full stop service hub for the homeless uh, community. Mm-hmm. And um, we operate together, we functionally work together. Um, you know, we are co-located, but as I, I like to say, it's not a strip mall. A hub is not an individual silos of these places where you go to individually. We all work collaboratively. Yes. We actually have systems in place to do so, so that many organizations are actually together and part of the same type of unit. 
True. Wow. That's a lot of good stuff you guys are doing. And actually, why the name Backdoor? Do you know why they call it Backdoor? Because it was a mission, as I said, and they handed the coffee out of the back door of the church. Wow. <laughs> yeah, quite quite get, straightforward. I love that's it. That's right. We get that question a lot because it's an interesting name, but uh, it's pretty simple. Yeah. It just came up to me like today. I was like, why Backdoor? It's such a catchy name. And it's like, <laughs> like does it mean Backdoor like as it is? But that's really, yep. really good. I love that. That's good stuff. Just a quick one. If you could could be remembered for one thing, you or backdoor, what would it be? If it's just one thing. Oh man, uh, I mean, me personally, I hope people think that I'm funny and charming. But... <laughs> I'm getting it already. I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for the mission and the work we do as mm -hmm. a whole, um, I'd say helping people, but helping the community. Like, uh -huh. uh, it's it's as simple and straightforward as that. Yeah. Um, we are here, and it's if you get to know the people that work here, mm -hmm. it definitely takes a certain type. Um, we have a lot of people who are connected to the church. We mm -hmm. do have people who are former addicts themselves who have trans mm -hmm. transitioned and and work here and see that as their mission. Yeah. Um, we have people like myself who's been in healthcare, and I actually have a background in education. Mm -hmm. um, but usually, there is a kind of a, a bit of a calling in some different way that individuals want to um, ingrain in their career uh, mm -hmm. a way of helping people. So that's all we really want to be remembered for. I'd say as a organization mm -hmm. and a collective group of individuals who really cared about helping people in a community. Nice. That's beautiful. Yes, it's about people helping people and that creating a community out of that. And if there's one funny story that has happened at Backdoor, what would be would it be for you? You want one funny story? Yes. I'm <laughs> um, there. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting because I mean it's a hundred year old building. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, 150 year old building. Wow. Uh, with a bunch of different uh, additions along the way. Our clinic is located now in what was kind of a gymnasium. Mm -hmm. But you can tell there's a lot of different systems. If you ever come in, in our building and go through our basement mm -hmm. you can see all the different electrical components, the old boiler, just there's a lot of different moving parts that probably um, were not meant to be put the way that they are. So mm -hmm. my first my first week, my first mm -hmm. day was uh, in August. It was August 26, I think. And uh, I wore kind of like I'm I'm um, dressed up now. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was about 32 degrees outside. And every mm -hmm. single person that I was introduced to said, like, basically, is like, hey, uh, you're the new director. Nice, nice shirt, nice pants and laugh. <laughs> you're, you're running around. It's a very active job. Yes. Very low barrier, very low profile. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I had a belt and a tucked in shirt, everybody was <laughs> uh, they were kind of amused by. So I would say because uh, in that week, I, mm -hmm. I got the I had my hot day. There was uh, a community baseball game that I jumped into and had to MC Ooh. and be a part of. The homeless played wow. the police. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was also a flood in the building. So wow. um, I was up on the roof. Uh, actually, when the flood came down, I ran up and tried to unclog the drains. It took a shovel mm -hmm. and tried to derain it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, you know, when somebody asked me, how was your first week to try to describe and all those three mm -hmm. things happened, it was like, oh my God, there's this crazy building that we're in and I'm technically responsible for <laughs> all of this stuff. True. roofs, I'm playing baseball games, I'm overheated, people are laughing at me. <laughs> and, uh, as I said, I'm like, it was the best week of work in my life. It was that's amazing. Good. That's, a lo that's a lot. For, for the first week, especially. Like, they're like, let's, let's throw you into the deep end. Like, literally, yes. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't worry about your education or why mm -hmm. you were brought here. Just mm -hmm. shovel that's good good to hear such and how did you like get into the space of working with 
the homeless population into this specific space because it's a very niche space. And like most people don't study this for school or anything. So how did you end up there? Yeah, that's a really interesting point because, you know, working with home, there's social service workers and yeah. social work programs and uh, community development programs, I know, but working with homeless is a very unique skill set. And there's mm -hmm. not a, a direct, um, you know, program that, yes. that points you towards this, right? Exactly. So, I mean, I my background is I, I have a history degree, but I, I focused a lot on social policy in Canada, a uh, history of social policy. And then I wanted to be a teacher, of course, came out in 2009 when there weren't many teaching jobs. Um, so I got into community health promotion. Mm -hmm. um, and within that job, I, I was doing frontline work with some individuals who were uh, experiencing poverty and homelessness. I remember I tell everybody my first day, um, my first person, they they. I, I ran away from a meeting because they were hungry. They needed uh, food from a food bank. Um, and I was running all over the place, driving back and forth because they were a rural resident. And mm -hmm. it turned out like they said, okay, go have fun. And the, the deal was they called me the next week with the exact same crisis and they would every week follow. And so they're like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to learn that this is a, uh, it's a, uh, you trying to save everybody is going to be a tough deal. And there's also mm -hmm. people with kind of, <laughs> you know, their backgrounds. So then I, I also worked at a, a university in student services. I, uh, nice. I students experiencing mental health issues. Mm -hmm. um, and then most recently in Durham, um, I worked for Community Development Council Durham and oversaw the community development program for about three, four years. Uh, and that involves social research. Uh, we also implemented the HIFA system, which is the Homeless Individual Family Information System, and worked mm -hmm. on the community by name list. If you ever get start researching, detailing homelessness systems, especially in Durham, you'll hear those terms a lot. Yeah, for, um, mm -hmm. yeah so, so basically, I worked on a lot of research and system building projects mm -hmm. uh, with that organization, got to know. The great thing about that is that you are a part of all the committees, get to know all the people and all the faces, whether yes. it's the government or the service agencies or the churches. And so I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to kind of know the landscape in Durham really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and so when the mission came up, of course, it was a hub of all these different service agencies and mm -hmm. I had connections with all of them. So fit in very, very nicely. Um, I'm lucky enough that I didn't do frontline work before at CDCD. Mm -hmm. And now I'm here with the most frontline work of all. That's and it's, true. Uh, yeah, it's really, really great. That's a, wow, it's good to hear that. It's a whole full circle moment. For sure. Well, most of a circle anyway. <laughs> most so of a figure eight, I think. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And so if you're to just off the top of your head, tell me about three of the most influential people in your life and how they've impacted you in your journey right now. Oh, man. You know, that's one I wish uh, I could think about more because there's a few of them. So mm -hmm. I think... Um, you know, I think the most influential part, you're because um, you're you're a student right now. Yes, right? I'm a student right now. Yeah. So one of the most influential and hope I don't know if he's listening. He, he's a Trent uh, professor. He was a Trent just got to mm -hmm. put that out there. But I went to Trent Durham and Professor nice. Wright, I remember who's pretty well known um, as a history prof uh, mm -hmm. in this area anyway, and in Canada. Mm -hmm. I just remember writing a paper very lazily and him put I got like a, a 60 or C or something on it. Mm -hmm. And he kind of he kind of said, gave me one of these notes that you can do better than this. Like you have so mm -hmm. much more in you. And he was wow. one of the smartest. He is still to this day, probably the smartest person that I've, I remember being in contact with. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like he, I, I didn't even know this guy knew I existed. I spoke up a couple times in class, wrote a couple things, but, mm -hmm. uh, and then at that moment I was able to kind of focus more on my education. I built a yes. rapport with him and asked him questions after class. Mm -hmm. He was a really great individual as well as a really brilliant professor. 
Um, so he was very, very influential. Um, the other, I was lucky enough. So there was a, a director when I was at Lakehead named Chris Glover. Um, mm-hmm. I'll send a copy of this to him so he knows that I'm talking good about him. But uh, yeah. really an expert, maybe the most expert in uh, in leadership that I've ever um, encountered. Taught me so much about what it means to lead a team, to coach people, to be a part of a team, and to really establish a positive influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, working with a population like students, post-secondary students, yes. you can tell why that's extremely important and yeah. why to have a good grounding in emotional intelligence and, and building rapports and relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did it with me, and always, you know, taking a transaction as a as a as a group approach, as a relational approach, not as I'm telling you to do this, you have to do this. Yeah. And so. I've really used that to, um, you know, working with this population, the people that work with the type of population that we see every day, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely need that element of, of leadership of emotional intelligence because there's there's so much stress involved with frontline work for this population that if yeah. you don't have, if you don't feel supported by your your the, your leadership team, there's just no way it's going to get done. True. And, and then, so I don't want to fail without mentioning that my, my own father, Scott Gardner, who um, nice. probably is the most influential in my life, uh, mainly Fair. because he never, he never got home until just on the dinner table, which drove my mother nuts uh, <laughs> before I got up each day. And I didn't really know. My dad, was, my, my father was a uh, school teacher. Uh-huh. I didn't really understand until he started coaching me, but he was doing things for the school um, at all, all the time, going above and beyond. So whenever it says teachers work, you know, 8.30 to 3.30 and get the summers off, I could say, yeah. well, tell that to my father because I never saw him for a large portion. <laughs> um, but I remember in his retirement, another colleague just said, made a speech, a really great speech about the one thing everybody remembers about Scott is mm-hmm. uh, everything he always did was always for the children. And he did, he'd take grief. Mm-hmm. My father was the first uh, teacher to introduce um, sex education, I think at the grade two level. Nice. He fought against people that didn't want it. Yeah. He was one of the first to fight the Harry Potter bands when they came out and he kept <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And so everything he was doing, he's like, listen, I didn't become a teacher of school children to get into a bureaucratic kind of shouting match with yes. people. people. So everything was for the the, the people the people he's working for. And I think the same thing, everything I have to do, whether it's mm-hmm. a bureaucratic decision or not, that's what you have to keep in mind is you're serving the, the, the people that uh, exactly. you're meant to. And he also drove me to all my basketball games. So <laughs> that was important. That's good. Wow. That's, that's a lot. Really just how people, we can have impact on other people inadvertently. But even like as you said, the words like that professor gave you and just your dad by setting an example in his life and just focusing on other people instead and the children. Because sometimes you get lost in the whole processes and everything, but sometimes what's really the focus of it all. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's a there's a leadership professional um, named Drew Dudley, who if mm-hmm. you're in university, a lot of university students and student services hear about it, and he calls them lollipop mo- moments. He's got a really wonderful story. YouTube it, look it up, what a Drew Dudley lollipop moment is. Lollipop and moment. Uh, it's really about, yeah, focusing on those moments in your life and making sure mm-hmm. you tell those people when they impacted you in that way. Yes, exactly. And giving it back to the people who gave it. Yep. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've done the same thing for someone. I'm sure. I hope I've done the same thing for people. And when you hear sure. that you've had that impact, it mm-hmm. it, it helps. Exactly. <laughs> you know you're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's very true. Yeah. And what would you say? It's a day in the life at Backdoor Mission. 
Well, they're never the same. Um, <laughs> I would say that you can come to work with a plan and say, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But that rarely happens that way. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> so one of the things to remember, of course, we have up to about 200 patrons a day, um, whether mm -hmm. on our, not in our building, but all mm -hmm. in and around our property. Yeah. So, uh, about 80 to 90, sometimes coming through about 40 mm -hmm. to 50, sometimes going to the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are a it's a population that is we call it high acuity the hardest of the hard to house the most uh drug addicted uh mm -hmm. mental health is a huge issue uh, complex cases of need um really some incredible people too within that mix but we have um i remember my first week people told me hey it's our first code free week since we've been here and i didn't really know what that meant mm -hmm. but then I, I soon learned that a code blue is a a, a call for a, a medical emergency emergency that, yes yeah 99 times out of 100 that's a, an overdose situation that mm -hmm. the team that's running out and taking care of it it's it's yeah. incredible our director uh my our sorry our uh, i'm the director the board president <laughs> uh derek iverson he always says his favorite stat is in the past year ODs have gone up in Oshawa, but OD deaths have gone down. And a lot of that is because of the response of unit. Yeah, we also keep yes. So, you know, you might run into that in the day. You might run into a situation depending on what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. There could be a, a different kind of batch of drugs that's on the street and people differently. They react differently. Um, but, you know, the thing that's really consistent, we start each day with a few um, – a few regulars. So our team, the backdoor mission team, mm -hmm. we have a quick check-in at 845 to see what's up that day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's very casual. Usually it's a something that's non-work related. Yeah. We have morning rounds with all the uh, service workers. So they talk mm -hmm. about people of interest and their care plan for the day or security issues it might be. And then at 945, all the volunteers fall in for a, a briefing to talk about. We go over safety strategies, you know, same information each day, yeah. uh, what codes are, where exits are, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we have a big clap and say, let's go. So that part's the same. And then at 10 o'clock, that's when the people come in. That's when you see a huge rush. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when the craziness starts to happen. So mm -hmm. I think the best way to describe a day is it's very regimented, very comfortable in the morning. And then as yeah. soon as the day begins, you could go anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and my day's different from the coordinator's day, different from the housing worker's day, the mm -hmm. chef. It's all, uh, it's all just, you've got to be ready to roll with the punches for the day. That's true. And like, are you guys like prepared for any, any situation at all? Or do you get surprise moments sometimes? Oh, uh, yeah. The latter. We have surprise moments all the time. There is a lot of learning on the job. Yes. Um, so, you know, clinically prepared. If there's an emergency, mm -hmm. um, we are very prepared. We have procedures yeah. in place for, you know, lockdowns, evacuations, for when mm -hmm. there's a medical situation. And everybody is very coordinated and they go to where they need to be in those situations. Yeah. And then we debrief about how we can improve them. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, I'm trying to think of a great example, but there's just, it's, it's never, it's never always exactly the same thing or there's something that can surprise you with the population or the way that we mm -hmm. handle it. The biggest thing I'll say, because, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll ask with challenges too, but we are so reliant on our volunteers and yes. a lot of volunteers. And so at the beginning of each day, if we find that, you know, we're short, mm -hmm. that means a lot of filling in from staff. It means volunteers doing two things, that kind yeah. of stuff. So that, that really changes up the day. And, you know, we are becoming more and more prepared for that, but it's, it's a tough challenge. Yeah. That's true. Interesting. And something to just jog off your memory. So if you had to write a book tomorrow, like mm -hmm. you have a pen in your hand, tomorrow so what would you write about nathan is the author of the book starting awesome. right yeah tomorrow. 
Yeah, and if it's about the mission, I mean, I think I, all I would try to do is tell stories of the people here. And to be quite honest, from my angle, I'm sure everybody else would write stories about our patrons and the people True. that we serve. Mm -hmm. But I think I would write about the um, the character and the absolute uh, commitment mm. of the people that work here. Um, yeah. And that's just with the mission and also the partners, because they have willingly and actually not just willingly, but they, it is their choice and their preference mm -hmm. that they have jumped into a world. You know, this is the back of a church, as like I said, that's hundred over a hundred years old. Yeah. It is not the, uh, it is not the sleek office design that some people, and if they're working for the region, if they're working mm -hmm. for uh, CMHA or Lake Ridge or somewhere else, yeah. their home office could look very, very, very nice. Um, or their base office, I should say. Mm -hmm. And here it's, you know, we're working within a church. The church still yeah. uses the place. Mm -hmm. um, so you have people that have really bought into a system and a design of working with people. So my story would be about their stories. Yeah. Um, and and individually getting to know what they've taken, what it takes and what they've sacrificed mm. in their life in order to do this work. That's true. Yeah, sometimes we never think about the people actually doing the serving. We think about the people we're helping, which is which is a good thing. But again, sometimes the people who are sacrificing to make this happen. And every one of them is in some way, yes. and, you know, we all, anybody that would listen to this, that mm -hmm. has been in a workplace, they all have, you know, toxic people, they all have True. challenging people, mm -hmm. um, especially the more and more people you have in a workplace, they have people that are self-serving, that are just there for the nine to five to check out. Yeah, uh, you know, I can honestly say that this just doesn't exist here. It's just a culture of a, a, a person that wants to come to work and make a difference and does whatever it takes. And they're so laser focused on that. And that needs to be, I, I think it deserves to be told. In some yes, way. exactly. And speaking of stories, I just saw on your website, you have an article, a section called We Are Listening. So what's uh, that all about? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I literally was just, uh, uh, I say approving, but basically uh -huh. I just have to make sure I see one. Um, exactly. So this was, this is an initiative before I started and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad that it was. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, essentially, um, it is just storytelling from our patrons. So, you know, the interesting thing about homelessness is we get asked the question all the time, like, who, how, how do people become homeless? And, mm -hmm. you know, the standard answer, if you, if you ask somebody from the sector or from uh, a government employee, is that there are many ways to become homeless, and usually mm -hmm. they're all contributing factors, which is kind yeah. of a factory answer. True. But it's hard not to say anything about that because – it's usually relational. It usually involves trauma. It usually involves mm. some type of addictions or some types of family uh, falling out. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many different ways and reasons and why people come into uh, this situation or come to our doors. And so what we wanted to do is showcase, one, that not everybody that walks through is in a category. They can't, mm. as much as my work, we try to systemize, systematize categories. You really can't do that True. all the time. Yeah. Two, that there's a lot of people are coming here for pathways to something better. Um, and so we wanted them to share their experiences uh, and let uh, the community know that yeah. those that are freaking in the mission and the other great organizations uh, in Oshawa and, and quite frankly, all over the place, mm -hmm. um, they, they do want more. They do want something for themselves. They do want uh, improvement, as most people do. Yes. Um, and then we wanted to also showcase that we're an organization that listens. And we say this to the patrons, but we mean mm. it to the community. What we want to be able to do is say, this is a place that when you speak, um, yes. you are listened to and heard. And we'll take that under advisement and we'll, you know, try to share in your journey and try to help in any kind of way we can.
Exactly. Wow, that's good. That's so it's a social it's a social media campaign series sure. of short videos, mm -hmm. interviews. It's really, really raw. It's uh, we had Carla's a, a great videographer who has worked mm -hmm. on it. She just asks questions and lets them go, and you know, not a ton of editing. I'm sure she hate me saying that, but um, <laughs> pretty pretty raw footage that we have. Authentic in its, yes. in its raw authentic. Yes, I, I should say it. that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I meant Carla. <laughs> good stuff. And now this is just like an um, hypothetical question. So if you were to, so what do you think the world would look like in 50 years? And like, in terms of like, what would your ideal community look like and how would Bakundo play a part in that? Yeah, um, in 50 years, that's a long time. I mean, if you are to design like a utopia that you'd yeah, love to see. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming flying cars are not <laughs> a go yet, yeah. Um, Fair. In the jumpsuits, yeah. So. You know, I think one of the people that I respect a lot in this world um, has described community development work or communities as ecosystems, community ecosystems mm -hmm. that work together and flow together as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because I, I not to, to slag on um, the, the suburban sprawl, but that's not what I, when they say a master design community, that's really not what I envisioned. And so mm -hmm. I envision a community that's reflected visually um, in in the people that live there and a in a in a large diversity of people that live there that's a diversity yes. a visual diversity mm -hmm. of status of language culture mm -hmm. everything i think i had uh, a, a reverend one time in my local town kind of mm -hmm. said in a response to i think it was the christmas you know can we say merry christmas anymore yeah um, about that controversy he just kind of looked and said well wouldn't it just be easier to include everything and just start saying all of the holiday slang. I mean, I, I just, I just have it all together. Doesn't that sound just much better? Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of agree. So I, I imagine a community where quite frankly, you, you see lots of different arts and culture. If people are struggling, that's represented. I mean, one thing that I've always said is that the homeless community, what they lack is a true um, cultural representation and artistic representation, both mm -hmm. music, sport, um, humor, comedy, whatever, acting, whatever. Yes. And so uh, my community would be where people know each other, they speak to each other, they talk mm -hmm. to each other on the street. There's lots of high fives and how are, how are you doing? Yes. Um, but there's also lots of different vibrant colors. Um, you know, <laughs> as I would say, I'd, I'd really like to get rid of the traffic and have more walkability everywhere. Cobblestone yeah. streets, colorful mm -hmm. drawings on the walls and that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of the society that I envision. So I, life, life and color all around. Yeah, yeah. You know, to say everybody has a bed and a pillow and everything, that's part of it too. Mm -hmm. um, it's a utopia that uh, I, I, you know, we all know that the, the real reality of it is um, it's a tough thing to achieve. True. But what I'd rather have is something that is, is workable, that is great for everybody that's here, that's already here. So we don't have to exclude anybody to make it happen. Mm. Wow. Wow. So that's, that's a big dream. I love that. And diversity because having different so, people. I mean, I got time. <laughs> I love that. Just different people, different diverse faces, different people, all different statuses in society coming together to make that ideal community. That's, that's beautiful. It would be. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's what it's, yeah, it's, it's the, I think it's a hope of a lot of people. It's just, that's a lot true. Of Stuff but people, people just get stuck in like where do we start or like is it even worth starting but i think it's just it's one one yeah. thing one day at a time one commitment at a time. one day at a time one day at a time yeah and so what's one thing that bakdo is successful that you didn't 
um, that's surprising for you that you didn't expect when you started there? <sighs> Successful at that I didn't expect. Um, I would say the the ability to handle the complexity of an individual, right? So when somebody comes and let's quite frankly, they are an individual that is, we call them just like the, I think we call them difficult to house or difficult to engage. Mm -hmm. um, so from the outside, they might not be vocally <laughs> the easiest to communicate with True. physically, the, you know, um, how we're, uh, expected to look, they might look mm -hmm. pretty downtrodden, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. And um, not even really know, uh, most people or most organizations wouldn't even really know how to begin to help an individual like this. And then the yeah. work will become, how do we offload a person like this? And where, where can mm -hmm. we put them where they can get them away from our doors or, yes. put them, you know, not in a, in a, in a mean way, but just mm -hmm. Um, we're not capable of helping this individual. Helping, yes. When they come, we are absolutely the people that can help them. And just how, mm -hmm. actually, we because it's the it's it's them, <laughs> it's them that are working. The whole team. Yeah, but if they have a medical issue, like our our, we have the best we have the best uh, primary care team that I've ever seen, um, and I've worked in healthcare before. Uh, they're just incredible at knowing what an individual needs and how to treat them. Mm -hmm. um, we have the best people that. Um, you know, they, they, somebody needs, they know they need housing. They know they need mental health supports. They know they need financial supports. It's, it's, it's not even a complaint of how difficult it is to work with this person, how hard it is. It's just the, the absolute, okay, let's do this, um, uh, mentality that all the staff here. So we are so great that whenever, whenever somebody, uh, you feel like it's too complex and it's too mm -hmm. difficult to try to work with them, like this is the group that knows what to do it's not always successful it's not always it's never easy but mm -hmm. we're the ones that are going to put the effort in for them all the time that's good so you guys are bridging that gap where people can't really do anything but you guys are really stepping up to do that I, we use that phrase quite a bit here yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that love that <laughs> thank you for the plug <laughs> <laughs> and uh what's the most important lesson you've learned over your time uh, that a button-up tucked-in shirt is not necessary mm. for this line of work. Um, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, th I would say more from a leadership standpoint, I think, and anybody that would like to get into a position, um, especially in this sector, uh, where you really have a vision uh, of how a team would look and how an organization would look, mm -hmm. I think the biggest lesson is really, really trusting in the people that are committed to the work and trying to yes. coach them and give them as much advice as you can, because it's a tough thing to do to relinquish, you know, responsibility and control of a certain situation that you otherwise might have a vision for. And so what I've really learned, I've, I'd hope I kind of know this before, but what I've really learned is that you've got to trust those people and put your trust and let them know that, um, that you are there to support them and you are there yes. to champion the work that they do. You know, I think that's something that most leaders will say, <laughs> but Easier said uh, than done. Mm -hmm. it's difficult to do in the moment. It really yes. is. You wanna, I want this done this way and this is how mm -hmm. it should be. To really try to coach somebody up is, yeah. is the way to, to try to do it. Yeah, That's true. Just that one-on-one -on -one approach and just being the visionary leader, way in to take the place. Yeah, it's almost like you have to take the tough stuff away from them. So, you know, the, mm. the difficult, nitty gritty things, bureaucratic type of moves that mm -hmm. they don't want to have to deal with or are difficult yes. to deal with. You have to take that, alleviate and make their job as, as I want to say easy as possible. But Smooth in a way. Yeah. My, my staff will tell me, what are you talking about, Nathan? Like you've added <laughs> 
projects for me since you've got it. <laughs> but, uh, harder. but yes, yes. You don't want them worrying about things like funding and budgets yes. and all that kind of stuff. You don't want, you want them doing their job. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a heavy duty for a leader as well. Cause you're taking oh, on the pressure, but for the greater good of the team. Yeah. Well, my staff also know that the way to ease that tension for me is food. So they're very good at bringing food. There you go. They do the hot butter. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's that's right. good. That's yeah. good. And what would you wish the public knew about the work that you guys do? That it's working. I mean, yeah, you're hitting an issue that, yeah, obviously it took me not very long <laughs> to do that. So we hear it all the time. Is this place working? Is it effective? Is it not yes. just drawing people in? Well, you know, the toughest part of this model is that, especially here in Oshawa and Durham, how new it is, yes. how difficult it is to, especially through COVID, to, as I say, we put the agreements in place mm -hmm. um, and because every organization bought it and said, let's just do it because it's needed. And now we're building the infrastructure of that on the back end, mm -hmm. um, which was so, so the way that this had to happen. Yeah. So what, what, what is really, really difficult to, to track is the impact that uh, an operation like ours has. Not because yeah, we house people, we keep people out of the hospital, we get people on withdrawal management, mm -hmm. um, we work with them, all of that kind of stuff. But it's difficult to show how important it is that we are all together and working together in this model. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the pushback that we get in the community sometimes is, how come this couldn't exist over on this street or over on this street? How come you couldn't be separated and do the same thing? Mm. And it's, it's not a matter of it's difficult to get there to get a bus ticket, right? Like mm. that's, part of it. that's part of it. True. But an individual is only so ready to accept help on mm. a small, small amount of time. Like we will work with somebody, our, actually you say we, but our staff will work mm. in a collection of agencies. We'll work with an individual for months and then when they say, you know what, I'm ready, I, I want to get off drugs or I need to get uh, off the street, you've got to be prepared to mm -hmm. snap on that opportunity. Yes. You need help to do it. It can't just be an individual. So when that end time comes, we have everybody here and bought in and we have a communication strategy and mm -hmm. we have relationships to be able to help that individual when they have it. You know, yes. it's, I, I, just, I just wish people knew, but the tough part is to, you know, track all of those interactions when they're mm -hmm. so relational and they happen so fast. Yeah. What I want to know is we're getting people treatment. We're getting them healthy. We're keeping them healthy. We're keeping them safe. Mm -hmm. We're getting them more steps toward housing, but it is a process. It's a time. Yes, you know, there, it, we, I'd also like people to know that, hello, there was a pandemic and there's a also pandemic. that increased yes. exponentially. It's kind of why there's more homeless people right now. Yeah. We are we are working and and uh, to to help alleviate that that mm. impact that's felt by that, and it is working. That's what I want people to know. Wow, yes, well, that's that's a lot. It's, it, things you never actually really think about, like the mm. location where it's placed, like the long term effect, how you can mm. jump on opportunities. Yep. Like you know, the housing market can affect this whole system, home system by very much so. Now. Yes, <laughs> now yes. about well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Homelessness is a societal problem, and I know yes. that's kind of an academic way of putting it. But like, we are uh, a singular agency or location or place or thing is mm -hmm. is not solely responsible for yes the climate the whole thing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, 
And um, just what's one question you wish and as, as you wrap up that um, yep. I didn't ask through the podcast that you um, would want to have been asked? Oh, I wish you'd asked me about like the Raptors and Cowboys game. I, I'm saying we were about to get there, but well, yeah, when I envisioned myself ever going on a podcast when I was like 20 years old, it uh-huh. was it was definitely to talk about sports. But oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a change, change, of, change of script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Next for the next one. You know, that's a tough question to answer. Um, I think I think I was waiting for the last one. What do I wish people knew about this yes. place? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I was anticip- I can tell you I was anticipating the question is how has your relationship been with the community, the rest mm-hmm. of the community? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, I don't know if I, I I was wishing for that question, but I was definitely anticipating it because anticipating. yeah, the, the the climate in downtown Oshawa with you know, very, I, I hate seeing just like the business community or the community at large or this community, but just the neighborhood, the people that are around here, mm-hmm. there's angst and there is um, frustration mm-hmm. uh, and probably some harsher adjectives <laughs> than that. Sure. And we understand it. And the one thing that, you know, we always kind of say is we, we, we don't want it either. And most of the people, the patrons that come here don't want it either. They want to be part of a community that's not like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the one thing I do want to note is that we've had a number of incredible um, community organizations, businesses, individuals come through here and talk to us and say, yep, I'm tired of people on our, uh, that are, I say loitering because that's a term. I'm not really sure what loitering actually refers to, but that are, uh, you know, lewd behavior and swearing and, and all the rest on their property. And they've had yeah. to call the police on people, but they're still supportive of the work that we do. That's and we understand true. it's not a great situation for everybody, but um, yeah, I, I, I do know there's resilience in Oshawa um, in all sectors and all factions. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to get there as long as the uh, the conversations keep happening. So yes, you know, sure. I would never go on publicly anywhere and say, uh, this community needs to because I think that there are there are so many members of the community that are are so bought in to nice. helping and and making this that that kind of place that we that I talked about a few questions back. So exactly, wow, that's good. Yeah, that's at least people extending grace to the work that you guys are doing, and it takes time as well. So that's yeah, good. Well, that, that, that 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 that's I go back to what I wish people knew. Yes, this mm-hmm. kind of takes a lot of time. It's not exactly. going to be in a couple months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's, it's a long term. That's true. And how can people like support and like more hands-on um, volunteer? Is there any way they can be a part of the course you guys are doing? Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of different ways. The easiest way is money. <laughs> we Fair. Are pretty, that's true. You know, um, support that budget. Yeah, yes. that's for sure. The one mm-hmm. thing that most people don't know about nonprofits um, is that... It's nonprofit. Uh, it's yeah, nonprofit. So and the way that, that we're funded, it doesn't mm-hmm. allow for... It doesn't always allow for a ton of flexibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, community donations, philanthropy, things like that. For, that's just not for ourselves, for any charity. Mm-hmm. That really, really allows you to be when you want to start something new or when you want to, you know, if you have to pay rent or you need a technology or those yeah. kind of things, it allows you to be flexible and be able to do those. I don't want to okay a check for a new product or service or something that we absolutely need, not knowing mm-hmm. that we don't have the money to do it. Money to, yes. Um, for volunteering, like, uh, um, Joan, our volunteer coordinator, would kill me if I didn't uh, say <laughs> yes. We're always in need of people on site. Nice. Volunteers we have out here are incredible. Um, mm. You know, you get to learn a lot about your community and population. I would like to thank all the schools, Trent, uh, Ontario Tech and Durham, the yes. students that they provide us are amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely one way to do it. And then I would say 
what we always need is community support. So talk mm-hmm. about the mission and talk about, um, you know, come down here for a tour. We're happy mm-hmm. to get one. And, uh, and I'd love to come too. Yeah, yeah. Are you, uh, are you, you're probably just down the street from me, right? Yeah, down the yeah. street. Actually, I, I volunteer with, there's another mission around there called, I think, Fast Light. Yeah, so First Light. Yeah, we First know them. Light. Yes. So yeah. I'll come check you guys out. I wish I had the time to kind of highlight all the other organizations. Uh, First Light, Cornerstone, Simcoe Hall, yes. Refuge, that are in Oshawa and in Durham that are doing this kind of work. Exactly. Um, but yeah, they're another great one. It's, um, sure. it's, it's definitely something that yeah people need to come and see and experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, so yeah, be a part of it. Yeah, really appreciate all your insights and you sharing all your knowledge today with us. I'm sure Absolutely. the listeners have learned so much and yep. how they can be a part of the change that we want. And um, come back for the next week for the next episode to the listeners. And thank you so much, Nathan, for your time. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you.